Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a new episode of I've Got a Secret that you're going to love. I'm dialed in with the fabulous Daphne Oz. Daphne is an Emmy Award-winning TV host, a New York Times best-selling author, and of course, an incredible chef. Her upcoming cookbook, Eat Your Heart Out, No Fuss, All Fun Food to Celebrate Eating Clean, is all about creating delicious, healthy meals that don't take away from the joy of mealtime. I think Daphne is just such a doll, and I'm so excited to learn all of her kitchen secrets. This is The Secret to Clean and Joyful Eating. Welcome, Daphne. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. How lovely. <laughs> oh, you are Thanks so welcome. You know what? It, it has so much excitement to it. I love the title of your cookbook, and I love oh, that the words joy, fun, healthy, everything is in it because that is so important, but it also just gives you so much excitement about being in the kitchen and about mealtime. Oh, that's my dream. I'm so happy to hear you say that because it has been a, a lifelong ambition of mine to have my healthy eating feel as indulgent and intuitive, logical, easy, straightforward, obvious as my indulgent eating. Um, so that was really the whole premise of this book. Or it's actually 150 recipes free from gluten and refined sugar. These are the recipes I use to lose more than 50 pounds after I gave birth to my daughter, Gigi, who's my fourth. But more than that, it's like, these are the recipes I actually got really excited to eat because I never wanted my healthy eating to feel like I had to sacrifice the taste buds of mine that are very demanding, want only delicious food. Um, and I had a really hard time finding that that supply of recipes that felt like clean eating could also be fun and joyful eating, as you said so well. Wow, that is just perfect because I love food. I love eating. I've been that way my entire life. My mother was the most amazing, I want to say chef, but you know, she was just, she was a stay-at-home mom, raised five of us children, and every meal was made oh, from wow. scratch. She just, she loved being in the kitchen. She loved cooking and serving us. Mealtime was a family event. So to me, anytime I think about having a meal, anytime I think about cooking and I think of her, it truly brings out the joy from within. So I love that. There's a real palpable love and joy that you do feel when someone's cooked for you. And I, I similarly have probably my most cherished memories um, are family mealtimes. They are cooking with my mother, with my grandmother, with my my grandfather, who's actually a great cook as well. My dad's not a great cook, but he's a great <laughs> eater and he's a lot of fun. So we still invite him to the field. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I have so much knowledge about the people in my life, the family in my life, the people I really love from watching them cook, getting to eat their food together, having those bonding mealtime conversations. And honestly, hearing your mom raising five kids, putting, you know, homemade meals on the, on the table every single day, 
that is such dedication. That is now, you know, now as a mom of four, I, I really think about what it took as my, my grandmother who has six kids, my mom who has four, like what it took to, to, to make that happen every single day and to do it with joy and with fun and to try not to see it as a chore that had to be done, but as something that, you know, as a way that you got to express that deep love for your family is so incredible. And to have it be delicious food is even more incredible because a lot of people are like, my mom put food on the table, but it was not delicious. You were very lucky that she was also a wonderful chef. Oh, she was amazing. I could go on and on and just talk about her and and her delicious meals. To this day, I still prepare a lot of her homemade from scratch meals that are recipes that she created herself. I have one tradition that I make her cookies at, at Christmas time. Uh, and, and she's been gone over 30 something years. In fact, our youngest son, Jordan, was born one year to the day that I lost her and he just turned 35. I was going to say you and my, our youngest son are the same age. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I, that's so. I'm so glad you have her recipes, though, because so many families don't ask in time to have those written down and it's memory in their fingers that you that's lost forever if you don't get it written down. Yes, that's true. You know, that just reminds me because this is I've got a secret. I have a little secret idea for a gift, especially since the holidays are coming up. My sister did this, God rest her soul, for Christmas years and years ago. She took my mother's recipes and she created a cookbook. She wrote them all down she created a binder, called it a cookbook, and gave it to all of us as a Christmas oh, wow. gift. And and I still have it. So that's how that's, I have her 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 recipes. So I think it's a great idea for so a Christmas special. gift. Yeah, the best idea. That's so thoughtful, so personal. I mean, it couldn't be better. <laughs> and so delicious. I literally could not be better. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Now that now you know, I just said that you're the same age as our youngest son Jordan, and so. You don't look at your dad as Dr. Oz, is that right? Because he doesn't look at his father as Dr. Phil. <laughs> I mean, yeah, where's the respect? <laughs> yeah, no. I, of course, of course, you know, interestingly, and, um, you know, I wonder if Jordan feels the same way. I grew up with my dad being Dr. Oz, like cardiothoracic surgeon in the hospital all the time, Um being so proud of my dad for the medical accomplishments of his life and just the, the people who, you know, whose families I would meet and they would say, you know, I I have my husband, wife, aunt, uncle, grandparents, son, daughter back because of the surgery your dad was able to do, which is like the coolest thing ever. But I didn't grow up with him being Dr. Oz um, because, you know, he, he started being on Oprah frequently when I was in high school. And I tell this story sometimes, even though it was like one of the low points of my life. (laughs) When I was a sophomore in high school, um, a, a boy that I thought was really cute. I will never forget the day he came up to me in the cafeteria and said, I, you know, I can't believe your parents have sex four times a day. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yeah, your dad was in People Magazine, you know, America's Sexiest Doctor. And in his interview, he misspoke, my mother clarified. <laughs> he misspoke <laughs> and said that they had sex four times a day. She was like, no, 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 he meant the week. And I was like, either way, I don't need to know about this. I don't want my crush knowing about this. You've ruined my life, ruined my whole high school experience. So needless to say, I didn't grow up with him being being famous or or known for his television uh, stuff. I, I grew up with him being a you know doctor first and foremost. Yeah. And I am, um, you know, I think it's funny also because I am I'm the oldest of four and we get together and it is just 
total mayhem and fun and just casual. It's it's real family times. I love it. I love it. I'll tell you how. Well, Jordan was 15 when Philip started his own show. But of course, oh, he wow. was five years younger when he started doing Oprah. You know, he was never really changed at all because of that. You know, he was all, he was always proud of him, of course, always very proud of his father, but he's always been his father, proud that he's Dr. Phil. But if he ever would ever say anything that might embarrass him, both of our <laughs> boys get even by when they have the chance, they like to mock him like, oh yeah, and do his philisms. And they'll use that Texas drawl and we just <laughs> die laughing. So they have their That's ways. Amazing. They have their That's ways. That's amazing. Oh my God. No, I have so much to be proud of. It's really, it's, it is very special to, to, you know, have the, I mean, I think about my dad doing back in the day, there were no caps right on, on how long you could be at the hospital and how long you could work. And I remember him being, there were some nights where he wouldn't come home at all. Cause he'd be monitoring a patient or, you know, there was something going on. And, um, and, being as exhausted as he must have been, although my dad has like the most energy of any, I know you've met him a bunch yep, of times, yep. he's he's the most energy of any man. human I've ever met. <laughs> um, he loves you guys too. He, it, and he would come home and tell us bedtime stories or like play, we used to play kickball in the lobby of our apartment building, which you can imagine made us a lot of friends with the neighbors. But like he would do these incredibly bonding, fun, um, real just special time together with the kids and would make the most of the one hour we got to yes. spend together in the day. And family dinners were super important. Like we talked about earlier, that was, you know, sometimes as a 10 or 12 year old, I would be eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night because uh -huh. that's when my dad would get home. And, um, and it gave me time in the kitchen with my mom earlier on in the afternoon to plan and make the meal, which was really special for us. But so I, like, you know, I started out saying, I'm so proud of of his work ethic and what he's been able to do. And I'm willing to tolerate the moments of, <laughs> of, of, of public hilarity with my crushes in high school. Oh, I just love it. I love it. And you spoke of your mother. Please tell her I said hello when you see her again. I've, I loved your mother yeah. from the first moment I met her. I think she's I an will. Thank you. So your very first book, The Dorm Room Diet, was inspired by your own journey of getting healthy during your freshman year of college. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, yeah, it, it was a really, um, it was an interesting book to write as a, as a then quite shy high school senior. Um, you know, talking about weight to your peers felt like a, a pretty, you know, <laughs> trial by fire moment. But I, you know, it's, it was interesting for me. I, and I think people are sort of surprised to hear that I struggled with my weight, um, you know, and was really overweight as a, as a child and as a teenager, given the health background that my family has. Um, and it just goes to show, certainly in this day and age with the internet, we all have access to all the information we could ever want about how to live healthfully. But um, it does take, uh, you know, this is something that my dad quotes Oprah as having said to him, it's not the... Um, information, it's the emotion that changes people's behavior. And I think that's really powerful, uh, you know, as women, especially, we have information coming at us all the time, but it's how do we make it practical? How do we make it mean something? How do we make it functional for my, my busy and full plate life? Um, so in any case, I spent my freshman and sophomore year of uh, college writing this book, The Dorm Room Diet, that was really like identifying the danger zones, I called them of college. These are the pitfalls where it's really easy to, to lose your way when you're trying to eat healthy, late night studying or TV, watching parties, things of that nature. 
And then navigating those pitfalls are really useful, usable solutions for kids who are 18, 20 years old with limited kitchen space, limited storage space, limited budgets, like just ways to make it really practical and useful for people. And I think because I was writing for the exact person I was talking to. And I was speaking from my own personal experience of never wanting to give up the college experience. I went to the keggers, I ate the pizza, I had the late night study sessions, all of those, but I did it in a way that didn't sacrifice my health. I ended up losing 40 pounds over the course of those two years. And I really wanted to share authentically from that journey. And I'll tell you what was really cool. What was really cool was feeling like something I'd originally thought was going to be my cross to bear, which is being the overweight kid in a family full of health nuts, became the defining feature of my early adult life. It gave me a platform to speak about. It gave me something really useful and valuable and personal to share with people from a perspective of someone who had struggled and succeeded. And I think that was what made it a successful, you know, a, a national best-selling book. And, um, and I was so grateful to be able to share it, even though in that original phase of the book club promotion and touring campuses, speaking to Panhellenic societies, you're going to athletic associations, talking to my peers about what it was like to lose weight as a kid um, or as a teenager was so nerve wracking. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was going to die the first couple of times. And then the more you see this information resonate, the more you see it really impact people and change their lives for the better and have them feel um, spoken to in a way that was really like a friend. It was it was so gratifying. It got me over my stage fright, which helped me do television and all, yeah. the, all the rest of the stuff <gasps> I've been able to do since. Oh, I love that they had you to relate to as well. So many people can relate to that because I think it's sad that children can get to a point in their life, young teens, young adults, and decide this is just who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Yes, genetics play a big part in who you are and who you become. And But your mind is also yours. You can make a choice. You can make a decision that just because I am surrounded by a certain type of genetics, I can still play a big part in who I become. And that's what you did. You were you were in a very influenced part of your life, college. You just listed all of the factors that could have played a huge part in you, not only not losing weight, but maybe gaining weight because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. call it that freshman 15. So what a phenomenal book that is. That is just you know wonderful. What? I like that you said that, though, because I do think um, I... I, I think the mindset, I, this is something I talk about in, in my new book, Eat Your Heart Out, more, not more than, but equivalently to understanding how certain foods are going to fuel you or set you back. Harnessing your mind, your mind is your biggest foe and your biggest ally when it comes to creating any change in your life. And if that is why I think if you're trying to make a change, making it as easy as possible, as functional as possible, finding as much joy in it as possible. We're humans. We are going to go for the path of least resistance. We are going to go for the path that makes us feel the best. That's why I don't believe in deprivation, because if choosing health means feeling deprived, means feeling upset and like my life is less than not better by choosing health. I'm never going to stick with it. You know, so you really, you have to, you have to lead with the carrot, not the stick and really engage yourself to find the, find that 
a place where your mind clicks with something and it can become the driving engine for, for picking you up when you're feeling unmotivated, for finding the highlights when you are, when you are looking for them. Um, and for really, you know, being that ally as you are trying to, as you said, something else I realized as you were, as you were speaking is humans, we have a tendency to think that the phase we're living in is eternal, that like this could last forever. It's really hard to think about the shifts and phases of your life. I saw online somewhere, someone talking about how your twenties aren't your prime, they're your primer. And I thought that was so cool because it was like, you know, you are, we are, we are always sort of rushing to the next thing or thinking that like we missed the opportunity or all this stuff. Like you are living in the only time you have to change right now. Nothing about what you were has to determine where you're going and, um, and, and look for ways to let your mind be your biggest ally wherever possible. Yes. You are in control of your life. No one else, no one else. You, you are in control of your life. You can look at your mother. You can look at your grandmother, your mother, your sisters, the, the way they're living is a result of the choices they made and, you have a right to make the choice you want to make on how you're going to live, whether it is in a marriage, as a career woman, whatever whatever choices you make in your life, but it's your choice. And I love that when you were in your freshman and sophomore years of college, you made the healthiest decision, the healthiest choice, and you were powerful enough and disciplined enough to write it down into a best-selling book. Congratulations. You changed the path of so many people. Well, I hope, you know what, it's, for me, it's really the power of, you know, everyone's on TikTok these days and social media. Like, think about all the times you've been given information in your life that really resonated and how, like, the, the chain effect, the domino effect of one positive kernel of thought, like one different way of thinking about a, a problem in your life or something you were struggling to tackle. And all, all the ways that that success that you then experienced from having that one piece of information change your thinking, all the times you can replicate that success, all the times you can explore that same path of positive uh, of positive success. I, I, you know, I think about that sometimes when you're, when you're stuck in something where you feel like, I, you know, I don't know how to succeed here, or I'm feeling negative about it. Like I do try to focus on what were the habits that got, that got me through a previous experience or what were the things that made, made it possible for me to experience success in past and how can I replicate them here? You mentioned, you know, having the wherewithal to write it all down. I, I wish I was a super organized person to this day at 35. The thing I still struggle most with is procrastination and poor planning. <laughs> I can only imagine like what, you know, what my life, my, what my life could look like if I could just, if I could just explore and, and harness the ability to stick with, to create a plan and stick with it um, in a way that wasn't like haphazard and rushed and whatever. But I will say that in this year, in 2021, even though I spent my whole life wishing I was less of a procrastinator, less of the way that I am about, you know, meeting deadlines and things of that nature, this year, I decided to focus on, on it differently. I decided to stop trying to be good at everything or stop, stop focusing on like h- how I could get better at everything. I think that's like a distinct, like a cultural thing we all uh-huh. do where we're like, well, here's what I'm failing. Here's what I'm doing a bad job. Here's how I can like fix it and do better and work on myself and great, great, great. 
But there's, I'm, I'm realizing now that there are always going to be things I'm mediocre at. There are always going to be things I might be flat out bad at. And there's only a subset of things that I could ever be truly excellent at. And so this year I am choosing to really zone in and focus on the things that I have the potential to be excellent at or the things that I genuinely love. Because being bad at things you genuinely love, it's okay because you're still having fun. Yeah, exactly. But stop wasting my life trying to be decent at things I'm never going to be good at because it is such a waste of time. So that's my, that's my, that's what I keep my mantra that I keep repeating to myself this year. And and I love that because, you know, what I'm hearing from you is one way to look at it is, thank heavens, I have such a full life that I have to sit back and decide what part of my life do I love so much that I'm just going to focus on those things because, you know, I love that. Yeah. No one's perfect and life is never going to be perfect. And look at the beautiful, busy, full life I've created. You know, if the point is to, as you said, be your own advocate, make the choices you can make to find happiness in your life. Um, then I think focusing on the things that really genuinely bring you joy is probably a good place to start. I was just having a conversation with a friend um, about maternal wellness and about as moms, how, it, you, you know, especially right now, it can feel like a time really overridden with anxiety and overwhelm and loneliness um, and, and you know, lack of partnership, lack of community. And we were talking about how important it is on, you know, pick a day towards the end of the week, maybe Friday, and take inventory of when in your life you felt like you got to, I, I quipped, and I think it actually is a good analogy, like pumped your own gas, right? Like yep. when did you go to the gas station and fill your tank up yep. and, and try to make time for more of those things? Like that's all I'm, that's all I'm asking of myself yep. is really try to prioritize those moments of, of pumping the gas. Yes. Yes. I, I, or what are those moments when you, when you're just standing there going, oh, I just feel like I'm just not getting anything done. I feel like I'm not, yes. I'm not really accomplishing anything. And then stop and think, well, let me just stop and not say that. Let me think, what did I accomplish? Because I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you are a, a, a busy, beautiful, accomplished woman and you have four children. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how old are your children? Because they're pretty close in age. They, they're seven uh, six as of last week, <gasps> three and two. Wow. Seven, six, three, two. They all just had birthdays. So I'm like, what, how old are you getting? Bravo. Um, Bravo. Oh, Congratulations. This you know, is- I, I, I think whether you have one or 10, they, they take up 24 hours of your day and then some, and they are, they are greedy for anything you have to pour. That's <laughs> right. Um, and on top and of that, you have my a husband. So much deliciousness. And on top of that, I have a husband. <laughs> And, and I don't yeah. know, between the two of us and all the other women out there, those husbands are are pretty full time. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. You got to save plenty of, of resource left for them. <laughs> it's just really hard to do it all. So sometimes I think I think each day we can just decide, well, today this and this and this gets my attention. And I'm OK with that. <laughs> you know, I I I um couple of years ago, I started thinking of it like this and it actually made a big difference. Some days I'm going to be an A grade mom, a B grade wife, a C grade friend, a D grade employee. And tomorrow it can completely recalibrate. And the next day, another complete recalibration. And I think that that gave me a lot of freedom to know that like, 
not every day is going to be, I'm not going to rise to the occasion every single day. I'm going to lose my temper sometimes. I'm not going to communicate well. I'm going to, you know, just make choices I wouldn't make in a perfect world. And I think we have to have that, you know, there's certain people in our lives who we expect to be perfect all the time, even though we know it's irrational. Yeah. And like, we are one of those people. Yep, yep. <laughs> Tell yep. me what you think, because it took me a long time to get here. I'm 67 years old. So I'm going to tell you, sometimes I feel like I speak from experience. But you know, about 10 years ago, I adopted this way of thinking out loud and finally gave myself a break because I always have always wanted to be there for my children. And of course, my husband. And we live busy lives. And now I have these three precious grandchildren with one on the way. So I can remember when I started adopting this response, not only to myself, but out loud to others. And I couldn't believe the relief I felt. And I'm doing the best I can and I'm okay with it. You know why I think that's so powerful? I think it's two things. One is it's it's saying out loud to yourself, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need to sit here and feel guilty about it. I don't need to feel like there was more I could have done because I know there wasn't. Like, if there if I could have done something differently, I'll adjust for that next time. But there wasn't anything, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I think it's powerful for that reason. I also think people sometimes feel disappointed, more disappointed, more injured, more, you know, upset by things when they think that you didn't try or they think that you didn't care or they think that you know that that or or they sense that you feel really guilty and upset by something and then they get it's like when a child falls and it wasn't like a bad fall and if you start freaking out they freak out because you're freaking out and where if you're like you're okay and everyone is fine like they're they they read off of that yeah um I think it's really powerful that you that you don't torture yourself with feeling guilty about not being able to meet everyone's demands and everyone's expectations all the time, because it's just impossible. There's only one of us trying to do all these things. And, um, and also to be, to acknowledge that, like, if there was more I could have done, I would have done it, but I I, would have done it. I physically, if you want to take it personal, you can, that's your choice. I'm actually not going to. Yes. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So we've gotten off on this philosophical conversation. I don't know why, but you know what? I'm so grateful for you for sharing that though. I, I do. I want to like, I think it's one of the things I wish we could do more of is, is like that, that women's wisdom. I, I hunt for it. I, I, you know, I, I think it's so special and life worn and life honed. Like you only get that sense of self-knowledge from having lived a life, you know, yeah, and I think yeah. that's, that's what I'm def- definitely hungriest for right now at, at the stage of life I'm in right now. So well, thank you for sharing. That. I, I want to tell you, that's the real true definition of why I created this podcast. I've got a secret. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Now, I want to tell you, we have two things we do with every podcast. And the first one is the drink of the day. I couldn't do a podcast without a drink of the day. So (laughs) our drink of the day, and sadly, we're not doing this in the same room. We're virtual, but we're still going to have our drink of the day together. And this is Daphne's Tequila Citrus Spritz. We always create a drink that is focused on our guest and our topic. So I'm a tequila girl, I'll just admit it. So I couldn't pass up the opportunity to make the latest cocktail recipe that you shared on the dish on Oz. Mm. So this drink has one ounce tequila, one ounce lime juice, one ounce orange juice, seltzer, and lime and orange wheel for garnish. Use an orange or lime wedge to rim the lip of the glass, then cover in the salt. You add the ice, tequila, lime, and orange juice, and stir. Top with seltzer and garnish with the lime and orange wheels. So for all of you listeners out there, you can go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com, and you will see the drink I've just described, and you'll see the recipe. So Daphne, cheers to you. Cheers. That is so gorgeous. Isn't this beautiful? And it's all thanks to you. I'm going to have to take a sip. I said the word cheers. Have you ever heard that rumor that if you say cheers, you have to sip? No, I think of that if you go to a birthday party and don't taste the cake, bad luck. Oh, (laughs) but I like the cheers one too. (laughs) That's a good secret to know. I did not know that, but I always taste the cake at a birthday party because my favorite dessert of all time is birthday cake and wedding cake. Oh, that's my Any favorite. particular flavor or just any kind? We'll it's take the, any cake. It's just the white cake and the cream cheese frosting. I love mm. birthday and wedding cake. Mm. Okay, so what are some secrets you have for making family mealtime fun? So, I mean, as I described, my kids are little and um, I do two things differently now that I think will probably evolve as they get a little bit older, but this has been helpful for us. Number one is I... I actually feed them dinner at like 4.30 when they get home from school because they're actually really hungry then. And that is that when they're really hungry is when I have the most success getting them to eat the things I want them to eat in addition to things they want them, they want to eat. And then I let them have snacks later in the night because then it's just, the snacks are like on top of me already having laid the groundwork of healthy eating I want them to have. And, um, and they're not as hungry after, obviously after dinner. So it's, it actually, it balances out really nicely. Um, something else that I do that I hope to maintain, so I see them quite early and obviously my husband, and I do not get to eat with them then, although I try to sit with them as often as I can, um, you know, unless I have work in the afternoon, 
but I uh, hope as they get older, we're going to eat all together a bit later. I also have been putting, you know, I, I think my kids obviously see me in the kitchen all the time. And like I did with my mother and my grandmother, it was such a place for us to bond that like, that's why I wanted to be in the kitchen all the time. I wanted to hear the gossip. I wanted to chat with them about the day. I wanted to see what they were doing and taste their food and all this good stuff. So my kids have the benefit of, of having me in this space a lot. So they come in the kitchen all the time and they're exposed to lots of flavors. And I do, you know, have, I, I model the example of someone who loves food and loves, like views it as such a privilege to be able to explore with food and taste new things. And, and the joy of mealtime is so front and center for my kids. So they have the benefit of that. But even, you know, and they will help me sometimes, although at their ages, help is more of like, let's, how small can we make this mess? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like to take them food shopping or to the farmer's market. We live down in Florida. We have such beautiful farmer's markets down here. And the more they experiment and explore as part of the food creation, the more they are willing to experiment and explore as part of the food eating. But even still, my kids have been picky eaters at different phases of their lives, Um and they, and it is far and away, the most frequently asked question I get is how do you handle picky eaters? And something that has been so effective for me has been making our meals family style because your kids, even as young as they are, are, I'm sure you remember your boys having egos. They want to make choices for themselves. They want to have their own taste. They want to feel independence, even in a limited way. And my grandmother always said to me, don't make your kids resist you more than the food, which I found they would do sometimes when I would put stuff on their plate and then they would feel like I was forcing it the, and then had, did they have to eat all of it and the whole thing? Oh, I and love that. And it was that. a great, it was a great, wonderful, like one of her many, many, many pithy, like just smart life thoughts. I <laughs> go love that. <laughs> um, so in any case, I started doing it. So I put the food out family style and they serve themselves. And here's what I, my only rule is big kids try everything once. So they have to try everything, one bite of everything. But beyond that, they don't need to. And the benefit of that is I don't fight with them. Kids, it takes them 20, 30 times sometimes to develop a taste for something. So I don't get discouraged if the first 20 times they only eat one green bean because slowly but surely they are developing. If they're ever going to enjoy green beans, they are developing that taste pattern. And um, and I find that they are excited by the variety of food. They are familiar with some of the foods on the table and they are challenged by some of the foods on the table. But even just the act of being able to serve themselves the quantities they want makes them so much less resistant, which is so lovely. Let's not make mealtime wartime. That is my I goal. I love that. You know what? I really, really love that you feed them their dinner when they get home from school because you're right. It's, it's They're a, starving. It's like they haven't eaten in years. It's I know. Hilarious. I think that's I so wonderful. That is a very, very hungry time of day for the children. And most of them, especially at the age yours are, go to bed early all right. My kids are asleep by seven. So oh. it's, yeah, it's the older ones stay up a little later, seven 30, but yeah, it's a, it's a quick afternoon. You know? Oh, so, I just love a, I shouldn't that. say that. It is an insane afternoon. Those are the <laughs> longest, craziest hours of the day, but yeah. it's a short period of time. But they have that big meal. They get to pick the foods themselves. Bath time comes shortly after yeah. I'm sure. And their tummies are full right before, and then they have a snack in their bedtime. I just think that's fabulous. Fabulous idea. Oh, well, so I, you, I can't take credit for it, but it's working so far. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. Can you give us some tips for eating out or ordering in while remaining conscious of health? 
Yeah. So this more for the adults in the room, because, um, you know, eating out with kids is a whole other bag of worms. You know, I, I really view um, eating out as such a time of pleasure and exploration for me. It is such a sensory experience of like, let me taste what the chef did for this particular preparation. If it's something new, it's a specialty, it's a, um, it's something I've been looking forward to. So what I typically will do is I lead with appetizers. Like I'm a, I'm an explorer. I'm a wanderer. I just want to taste a lot of different things. So I frequently won't order a main course at all. I'll just get, you know, four different appetizers and get to try all of them. Um, and I, I find that that, what that does to me is a couple things. Number one is I don't get so, you know, I, I, I developed this rule quote unquote back at the chew where it was my two bite rule. And the first bite of any food, any plate put down in front of us. Cause there were days at the chew, we'd make five, you know, five-star quality, gorgeous meals. And uh-huh. if you're eating all these meals, you're just, you know, it's an insane amount of calories. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's every day, twice a day, plus meals. It was, it was really, wow. all of us grew what we, what we joked was our chew babies. Yeah. <laughs> so this was an effort to re- rein that in a little bit. I love the so chew the first- by the way. I love the chew. It was, it was such a great show. We had so much fun and obviously many, many delicious meals together. Um, and, uh, my two bite rule was the first bite is your chance to explore. It's your chance to like, Whoa, what's happening here savor everything. See what, see what's on the plate. The second bite is the chance to indulge. That is when you know what to expect. You're in the comfort of that experience. And you're really going back for the seconds of something that was really special to you beyond that. Everything really tastes the same. So for me, I, I start most meals with salad. I happen to love salad. I, I create lots of salads. I do these weekly IGTVs on my Instagram where I, you know, I cook a recipe every Thursday and a decent number of them have been salads and people really love them because it's, it sometimes can feel hard to find salads that eat like a meal and, and places where you're going to get lots of raw veggies and good produce into your diet, but not feel like you're eating rabbit food. And that is something of a specialty of mine because I happen to love salad and I never want to eat like rabbit food. So so I start most meals with a salad and then do not, and and I treat the indulgent portions of my meals like side dishes. I don't make them the main event. And um, that has been pretty effective for me. And I never skip wine. I love wine. (laughs) I I totally agree. I really feel like (laughs) if you enjoy wine, I really believe in staying healthy and Every one of my doctors, all of my doctor friends truly believe in glass of wine with the meal. I think, you know what? I think that I think doctors feel that way. I know patients feel that yeah. way. I, I also, you know, in so much of my life, I aspire to be like an Italian grandmother. You know, I, the, the, that, that simple approach to life, the simple pleasures of life and, and interestingly, the more we fixate on it, the more challenging and like, um, academic and mechanical and mathematical. We try to make everything the crazier we could. I, I, I don't think what makes us more successful. I definitely don't think you can like calculate your way into health. I re- I really do feel, although people who count macros will disagree with me. Great. For me personally, I, I go crazy and neurotic when I am so fixated on numbers and scale and, you know, the, the measurements and everything I want what I envision you know, the, this, the, the Italian grandmother of of having, which is a, when you're, when you are craving something, you enjoy it, but because you're truly enjoying it with no sense of guilt and no sense of, Oh, I've got to like make up for this somehow. You don't need as much of it to feel satisfied, to feel like you had that experience and you are getting so much more than physical sustenance from those experiences, which I also think is a big part of why people 
um, have healthy and unhealthy relationships with food. It's we're relying on it for so much more than just physical fuel. And so I'm the Nona. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm trying to live my life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, this is this may sound like such a silly question. It just came to me because I love your idea of when you when you are in a restaurant or order out, whatever, uh, that you don't necessarily do an entree. You like to do the appetizers and the salads. What do you think about the fact that I do this? I will order a salad, a side mm-hmm. dish, an appetizer, but I want them to all come at the same time. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You like that feeling of abundance. I like. You know what? I don't I, like the salad to come first, and then they bring out what I what they consider I ordered as my entree, which are side dishes and maybe an appetizer. So I because I feel like the salad will fill me up, and I won't get to enjoy the variety that I've already ordered. So I make it all come at the same time. Now, is that- I, I mean, it works for you, clearly. I, I, guess- I feel like I don't get filled up by the salad usually, so I'm okay. I can always find more room. Um, <laughs> but I, I also, I will say that maybe just because I do love greens, period, I try to make sure that one of my side dishes that's coming is primarily greens-based or primarily veggie-based, mainly because of the moisture content. Like I want, I don't want to eat anything- super dry. I yeah. want to have the balance of those flavors coming through. So maybe it's that the salad is bringing that like wonderful tangy vinaigrette that's going to make your sweet potatoes or your, you know, beautiful, I don't know, onion rings or whatever yeah. you're ordering yeah. to your yeah. side, um, feel, feel that luxury that it needs of that little bit of moisture coming through. But I look, I don't think when you're out to eat, unless you're eating out every single day, it is a special occasion. It is a time to, to savor the meal it's not the time where I'm necessarily the strictest with myself, um, but it is definitely possible to navigate it in a way where you still get to have that richness of experience and taste the things that you love, especially if you're sharing. My husband, the way I know he genuinely loves me, it's one of the sweetest things he could possibly do oh. <laughs> is he will always, always, always order the thing that I liked second best. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> the most dear thing because he knows it's for me it's like that is pure joy is being able to have those wonderful food memories and oh. that is we share and, and we get to I, mean, I don't want to ever waste food so we take tons of things home and we have it for leftovers uh-huh. but it's uh-huh. um but that's really sweet that he does it for me that's so sweet uh-huh. okay so I just have to say this has all been so wonderful what is on the horizon for you and your beautiful family so the next big launch is going to be Eat Your Heart Out coming out in spring of 2022. And I've been working on this book for a long time. I'm really, really proud of it and excited for everyone to get to enjoy these recipes at home. Like nothing makes me happier than seeing people create the recipes that I share and share with me on Instagram. And I want people to get the pages of this book so dirty. Oh, I can't Just wait. open it up, crack it open, cut fun, have fun, experiment in the kitchen and enjoy eating well. That is really the, the whole point of this book. Um, and then, um, you know, I do the dish on Oz every Wednesday on my dad's show on the Dr. Oz show, which is a cooking and lifestyle show that Gail Simmons, Jamaica Pessoa, and I host with my dad. And it's a lot of fun. We share great, it. easy family recipes. Um, so that's every Wednesday on his show. And um, I am gearing up. I'm not sure when this podcast will launch, but I am gearing up all holiday season long. I will have at least one, usually more than one recipe video going live on my Instagram. And let me just tell you, some of these recipes are so out of control, delicious. <gasps> um, I actually, I know I'm so excited for people to have these because it's like, 
I, I, I am pouring my heart and soul and, and blood, sweat and tears into making these beautiful dishes come together because it's just like the, you know, I, I've been doing this now um, weekly since I guess February or January of this year. And every single you know week I hear from people saying, you, you, your videos make me feel like being in the kitchen should be fun. Like being in the kitchen is something that I can, I can enjoy. And that is the most incredible compliment I could ever hope to have. Oh. Um, so I'm so excited to get to share all these with everybody. Oh, on my I Instagram. love that. There's nothing I love more than the Christmas holidays. I, I'm oh, just yeah. like oh, yeah. a freak about the Christmas holidays. I love the decorations. I love everything. I love the Christmas recipes. I wish you would, I, you can answer me when we finish this, but I would love for you to take over my Instagram page one day and do a live recipe. Oh, fun. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, that's fun. Thank you so much. It would just be the I, I want you to share. I want you to share your mother's Christmas cookie recipe because I am a Christmas cookie fanatic. I have our sugar cookie recipe that we make at least 300 of every single, every single. Oh, Christmas. I will like for it. sure do that because I have to tell you, I've made almond cookies every year of my boy's life and I only make them at Christmas. And I've, I've joked before that if I made these cookies in like June, they would not eat them. <laughs> they would not eat them. It was, it's like, they would only eat them at Christmas time and they just wait. They like, wait, the minute I start decorating for Christmas, <gasps> She's got to make here, the here. almond cookies. She's got to make the <laughs> almond cookies. I'm really into tradition, and it is a tradition that they only have them at Christmas time. I think traditions are the skeleton of families. Like that's that is how you build the infrastructure. It's how it's. I, I'm with you as part of what's so special about holiday specific recipes is it's usually the only time of year you eat these things. I I don't eat stuffing any other time of year. We don't roast a whole turkey any time of year. That's and right. so you you wait with such anticipation and the human we are we are so driven by the anticipation even more than the experience yes. and I love that you like demarcate December as yes. this almond cookie season and it's, it's the only time you can have it. It's so special. Yes, I agree. So now I told you, and it is a tradition with every podcast, when I started, I went, we're going to have a drink of the day. And our second is the game of the day. Oh, fun. I so love do you like playing games? I do. I'm very competitive, though. So this could end happily. Okay. So <laughs> this game is called The Kitchen of Oz. Oh. And I'm going to read off a cooking habit. And we are going to decide if it's something good or wicked. So number one. Okay, good or wicked. Has a drink while cooking. Good. Good. <laughs> okay, number two. Mixes ingredients by hand. Good. I think good. Good. Yeah. We all wash our hands before we Get start that cooking. that arm workout as you Do you go. know what I did just last night? Philip and I came in. We were in Dallas. We came in. It was like, it was fairly late, but. We were hungry and Philip goes, I wish I had some chicken and dumplings. Another one of my mother's recipes. I said, oh, I'll make you oh, some. Oh, I need, wait, that's my some. favorite, favorite meal. And I, we, I need that recipe. So, and you made it when you got, oh my gosh. This I, is, I know, this we is got amazing. home at 6 p.m. At nine o'clock, we sat down and ate a bowl <laughs> of chicken and dumplings. And I mixed oh, them with my oh, hands in the bowl. Rolled them out. Send that recipe. Rolled them out so on the beautiful. counter and used my mother's marble rolling pin. I still oh, have bad. it. Okay, number three. Sits at the head of the table. Oh, no, wicked. Philip always sits at the head of the table. Not me. So interestingly, our dining table is round. 
Oh, um, I love that. Yes, which maybe I did on purpose. Yeah, I <laughs> so think that's that great. But my dad always sits at the head of the table and my husband sits at the head of the table because, you know, also not just because he's dad, but also um, he's huge. <laughs> I wouldn't make him get on the inside. <laughs> you know, the way our, our setup is such that the heads of the table have the most head space and the most knee space. Yes. So he sits at the head, but I would, I would happily sit at the head too. I don't, I, yeah. that's, that's, that's either. <laughs> I, I think it's only because my father always did and, and every man. Yeah. My grandfather's does. always did. Yeah. Philip says, okay. Number four, cooks intuitively instead of measuring. Absolutely. Good. Okay, I, I follow recipes only for desserts. I have almost never followed a recipe oh, for a savory really? meal. Really? Okay. So well, desserts are chemistry. They're specific. You have to have those measurements, correct? Yeah. Where, in, you know, savory cooking is much more intuitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to have to say no. My mother, you know, she cooked from scratch and she didn't. But I'm just a little too OCD, baby. But I have to have the recipe. I cook I cook from the recipe. Some people feel so much more comfortable they, yeah. when they have those rules to follow. Yeah, I do. I do. It makes me, it makes me feel crazy. Yeah. Well, you're so, you're such a, you're so good at it. Okay, number five uses matching china and serveware. I'm both. Wow. I'm both. Like I know. Like I'll set a beautiful table but I love it when it doesn't match. Same. I'm with you and I also love it when it's like paper plates. I do too. I do too. I'll do all I do high low. I'll do it all. I do too. Like when okay. my grandchildren are over to spend the night, pops is what they call Philip and grandma. We use their Little precious little cute plates. Oh, yes. Yeah, we yes. all eat off theirs. Yeah. Okay, last one. Sends guests home with leftovers for sure. Oh, yes. I, you know, I, I'm incapable of cooking the appropriate amount of food. I just like, it's impossible for me to not cook way too much. So people absolutely must take food home with them so that I also have a tiny fridge. Um, which yeah, is yeah, ridiculous, yeah. although it's making me better at, at, you know, shopping regularly and in smaller quantities. Um, but, uh, but yes, a hundred percent, you're going home with leftovers. I love it. I love it too. I love it too. I love sending home leftovers and I have a cute story. It sounds like I'm going to drop names here, but I'm not. I had a dinner party one time with friends and I love doing themes, kind of a, how I decorate the table kind of thing for fun. Cause I love that part. And I did a Texas theme menu. So I had chicken fried steak, gravy, oh my mashed potatoes, biscuits, cornbread. I had all Texas theme and, and Barbara Streisand was at the table. She could not believe all of this Texas themed food. And she said, I must take some home. And I said, for sure. But had she not, I still would have sent everyone home. <laughs> Leftovers. I love it. That's so good. But yeah, love, of course. Then they have something to snack on. Look, yeah. I aspire to one day have the again the pre planning and the um, free time to make the like beautiful little you know biscuits yeah. or muffins you send your guests home with so they have breakfast in the morning like something very special and lovely like that. But at minimum, yep. you're going to get some food to have to recreate this meal because leftovers in the morning are almost as delicious as the night before. <laughs> and you're right. You're right. Especially in, uh, who has the room to put all the all of the leftovers. And again, you're right. I agree. I make so much food. Philip asked me one time, were you starved when you were a child? I'm like, no, but I make so much food. 
I, I think it's more fun to cook in quantity. It's really quite magnificent. Well, Daphne, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this episode. I could chat with you all day and into the evening. But before we wrap up, I need to ask you one final question. This podcast is all about sharing life-changing secrets. So do you have just one major secret, something you've learned along the way from friends or family that has dramatically impacted your life? So this was a recent tiny tweak of my thinking that has revolutionized the way that I approach anything in my life. And it is to transition anytime I say I have to, I have to pick up the kids from school. I have to drop this, you know, packages off. I have to get this commitment in for work. I now say I get to, I get to pick up my kids. I get to, you know, have someone I need to send this package to. I, I get to do this work that I love that requires me to have this, you know, obligation that, and it, that tiny two, one word change has made such a difference in my approach to when, when life can feel very busy and chaotic and sometimes overwhelming. Um, and when we have a tendency to feel like life is happening to us, not for us or from us, um, and has revolutionized it for me. So I get to, I, I, I think that that's really been the biggest change recently. Wow. I love that. That is so wonderful. So now please tell the listeners how to find out more information about you and your new book online. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you can come and hang with me on Instagram. I'm at Daphne Oz um, and on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and all the other places. Um, DaphneOz.com is where I actually write all my long form recipes too. So it's a really nice, easy place to get the information um, that you might want to recreate these recipes at home. My new book, Eat Your Heart Out, will be available wherever books are sold in April of next year, 2022. But it's available for pre-order now. I'm actually debuting the cover tomorrow, which I'm so excited about. Um, yes. So you're hearing about it first and, um, and I, yeah, come hang with me on the dish on odds every Wednesday on the Dr. Oz show. Oh, we certainly will. That's fantastic. Secret squad. As always head on over to, I've got a secret with Robin for even more fun. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.